Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 yes it is and welcome back happy monday may 9th 2022 hope you had a good weekend i um i was revising a few thoughts here and there so i will be delivering my monologue at the end of the third hour today uh, i'll just tell you what some of the thoughts were i was revising as i came into the studio i learned that one of the giants in the modern conservative uh movement one of the giants in the uh, american conservative movement, Midge Dechter, passed away uh, today. She was 94 years old. Many of you may know her more famous husband, Norman Podhoritz. He's still with us. Their son, John, uh, editor of commentary, columnist at the New York Post. Uh, I knew Midge uh, quite well uh, back when I was in D.C. uh, and on the East Coast. Um, she was someone I want to commend to you uh, as worth reading and rereading, particularly on issues right back before us. She left us just at a time when we might be able to rediscover her written and spoken gifts uh, for one of her uh, signature issues. Uh, she had two signature issues, two. One was dis- defeating communism and the other was defeating the radical feminist agenda. And uh, the radical feminist agenda, her writings, her speeches on that just now, my gosh, looking at the news over the weekend, that will be the topic of my monologue. Uh, The vigilantism, the uh, targeting and intimidation of Supreme Court justices at their homes. Um, I, I was thinking about that and her passing in the context of a speech Abraham Lincoln gave when he was 28, one of his most important speeches. He gave a lot. A lot of them. One of his most was when he was as young as 28. It's known as the Lyceum Address, wherein he uh, talks about vigilantism in this country as well as how we are going to survive as a free people as the founding generation dies off. He gave the speech uh, in 1838 where the founders, many of the founders were still – or at least people who had fought in the Revolutionary War – were still amongst us and what we could learn from them and their tales and what would it take to keep the revolutionary spirit alive after you know they they left this mortal coil after they physically left us all of that is what's in his speech so that's where my mind was going as i'm thinking yet we lost another giant oak in midge dector today and we did so at the same time that we are seeing a lot of vigilantism now one of the things Again, just some disparate thoughts I'll throw out there. One of the things that I found interesting about these protests, these intimidating protests at the Supreme Court justices' homes is, uh, first of all, how it was the pro-choice movement that very much believed in big protective bubbles where people could not protest. You may recall that there were a lot of – there was a lot of litigation – about you know pro-lifers standing out with signs and literature in front of abortion clinics and the pro-choice movement, the pro-abortion movement sued to uh, make sure that they would be farther and farther and farther. 
that courtesy doesn't extend, of course, to the homes of Supreme Court justices, I guess. But uh, hypocrisy is uh, is really, you know, it's 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 at this point not really a flaw of the left's. It's 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 one of their distinguishing characteristics. But one of the interesting things I was thinking about was who doxed these Supreme Court justices' uh, home addresses. We are still looking at who leaked the draft opinion in Dobbs and it's surprising to me we don't have the answer by now. We probably do. We probably do have the answer by now. We just don't have it publicly. But the other question is who was putting out the Supreme Court justices' addresses, which had to have been one of the most protected things in uh, national secrecy. And it's an organization called Ruth Sent Us, Ruth Sent Us, Ruth being Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And she obviously didn't create this organization. It's named after her. And I believe um, it is taking her legacy down. I went to the website, Ruth Sent Us, Ruth Sent.us, if you want to go there. Feel free. Ruth Bader Ginsburg spent her entire life moving the needle towards justice for all. Okay, that's the first thing you read. Second thing you read. She believed and we believe that first item, women deserve trust. Black lives matter. Love is love. No human is illegal. Does that work for you in the context of this debate? No human is illegal. Okay, I get what they're trying to do. They're just not very smart. They're trying to talk about illegal immigration. They're trying to throw that in there. Not anything really Ruth Bader Ginsburg spent much of her life dealing with, but okay, you know, you buy into one dime of the left's argument, you have to take them for the entire dollar. But it's that second one, that Black Lives Matter that kind of got my eyebrow raised because Ruth Bader Ginsburg herself was not on board with it. Does anyone remember the kerfuffle two years ago when Katie Couric released a book of her interview with Ruth Bader Ginsburg and she got into trouble, Katie Couric did, because she edited out on her own, as we say, sua sponte, without Ruth Bader Ginsburg's permission, edited out some of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's comments about the Black Lives Matter movement because to Katie Couric, she thought it would harm Ruth Bader Ginsburg's legacy. Who are these people? Do you either you either respect Ruth Bader Ginsburg or you don't? And it's not your job to protect her legacy. What was it uh, that uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg said that Katie Couric thought needed to be taken out when they were talking about Colin Kaepernick and taking a knee and then the protests that took off from there. Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, would I arrest them for doing it? No, I think it's dumb and disrespectful, just like flag burning. If they want to be arrogant, there's no law that prevents them from that. What I would do is strongly take issue with the point of view they are expressing when they really do that. She had no good words for any of this. And yet here's an organization which is, you know, I don't know if it's a radical organization or not. They've already engaged in illegal behavior in releasing uh, the private addresses, disclosing a disclosure of private information to federal officials. But to graft Ruth Bader Ginsburg's name on that, the question is, is there anything that is sanctified to the left? Is there any place they will not go? You know, you think about the violence that's uh, taken place 
in this country uh, over the last uh, several years, the rise, the increasing rise of violence, awful, awful, all of it, whether it's whether it's uh, senseless criminal criminal violence, whether it's racial violence or whether it's political violence. But when you think about that last one, political violence, what what has been the the totality and the catalyst for the political violence we see in this country, we tend to sweep it under the rug. We tend to sweep it under the rug, but I'm not so willing to forgive the double standards over what took place between Steve Scalise getting shot and Republicans being targeted by a Bernie Sanders campaign worker and the Democratic Party having very little to say about that. Any more that I'm willing to forget that when Kirsten Sinema was put in apprehension and followed from her law school classroom to the bathroom, Joe Biden said, this is what happens to everyone. I am not so willing to forgive and forget these kinds of things as they make a meal over January 6th. And there's a whole lot of other examples we could have as well. Are these are the uh, there was a firebombing, a firebombing at a life clinic in Wisconsin this weekend with uh, with with uh, with graffiti. Uh, put on that center saying if abortions aren't safe, then you aren't either. That's a direct threat, as is what Chuck Schumer said about unleashing the whirlwind to Kavanaugh and Gorsuch and that we were coming for you. Direct threats all, all of them. I don't think that Republicans should be safe for saying those things either. Here's what I know. If a Republican did, they'd be out of office or out of power or out of leadership. That's what I know. They are still holding people in prison and jail for January 6th, which was an eight-hour ordeal of intimidation and melee, and everyone went back to work that night. Everyone went back to work that night. Steve Scalise will never be the same. Kirsten Cinema has to have a new security detail. Why is it, ask yourself this, why is it? That if a conservative is invited to a college campus, a college campus, if the invitation is allowed to stand, that that conservative needs security. And no liberal lefty speaker at a college campus ever does. Why is that? Why is that? But of course, we're the ones breaking the norms of democracy, aren't we? I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is scary. Consumer prices surged 8.5% in March, the fastest pace since December 1981, and wholesale inflation surged 11.4%, an even more ominous trend. Also, the markets recently reacted to runaway inflation and drastic measures by the Fed by dropping up to 1,000 points in a day. That's your investment security being flushed is why I recommend diversifying with physical gold from Midas Gold Group. Gold traditionally holds its value when the dollar falls and economies fail. Don't let inflation steal your savings while liberal policies damage financial markets even further. Diversify your investments today with physical gold and precious metals with the only gold company I recommend, veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. Go to MidasGoldGroup.com or give them a call at 480 480- Three six zero three thousand Midas Gold Group Midas Gold Group dot com. 
Yeah, on top of on 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 top of everything respected leaders of the Democratic Party were doing during the year of violence that was 2020. I'm thinking of Kamala Harris helping raise funds for the protesters that uh, at the same time she was saying they should not stop. I'm thinking of uh, Nancy Pelosi being asked about a riot in Baltimore and her only response was people will do what people will do. And all of that just kind of passes. Don't forget Schumer's threats. All of that just kind of passes the scene as okay. Um, January 6th happens. There's not a Republican leader I know who supported it. There's not a Republican leader I know who didn't denounce it. And the entire Republican Party is still being tarred and feathered with it as if it is some kind of a millstone we need to have around our necks after the left had shown time and time and time again throughout the previous year that political violence is excusable, is forgettable, is even fundraisable. Um, that, that, that's, that's the left. Now, if, if, if people are unhappy with um, extremism in this country, let's, let's go to the sources of that extremism and know that it needs to be denounced when it comes and not supported because the ultimate end justifies the means. This is a highly frightening concept to me that, of course, comes from Marx and was perfected by Mao and Stalin and every communist and, frankly, fascist political movement that was based on violence. The ends justify the means. We are not that country. We have not been that country. As Robert Jackson said, we have always tried to avoid those ends by not allowing their beginnings. And yet, and yet, if you think Nancy Pelosi just had a bad day in 2020 when she was asked about that Baltimore riot, uh, she was asked about the protests in front of the Supreme Court's homes this weekend. Here's her quote. While we have seen and heard extraordinary anguish in our communities, we've been moved by how so many have channeled their righteous anger into meaningful action, planning to march and mobilize to make their voices heard. We encourage people to fight relentlessly to enshrine Roe versus Wade as the law of the land. What does it mean to fight relentlessly against a draft Supreme Court? Opinion And what does righteous anger and meaningful action mean to you? Donald Trump got impeached for saying march peacefully and patriotically. He got impeached for saying march peacefully and patriotically. OK. She is saying righteous anger, meaningful action, fight relentlessly. Look, I hope no one takes this stuff seriously. I really do. I, I, you know, I pray for this country when people think that it's easier and better and smarter to resort to violence when they don't get their own way. But who are these people? What have they been taught? Do they not realize that life does go on? Do they not realize that a Supreme Court opinion like this was never, ever 
substantially accepted or even meaningfully accepted by more than half the country. And why was that? Maybe it's because it's about something that is very, very A, tendentious, but also B, tender. That the pro-choice movement in this country never really had a majority or at least nothing like a significant majority, nothing like more than 51 percent ever. And yet to take this out of the democratic processes and graft it onto a nation that was never good with it, certainly in a lot of communities, and that the Supreme Court may revisit that at some point as they did this past year and say, let's give it back to the voters. Let's give it back to the states. Let's take it from the vote of nine people and give it to the vote of 7,500 people, that that should not have been that much of a surprise. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who I mentioned earlier, herself thought Roe versus Wade was settled on very, very shaky foundations. As I said, when she was nominated to the Supreme Court in 1993 by William Jefferson Clinton, Kate Michaelman, the head, the then very famous, well-known head of NARAL, had some complaints and gripes and needed to be reassured because Ruth Bader Ginsburg had given some speeches and written some things saying Roe versus Wade was not the most solid of Supreme Court decisions and was based on faulty reasoning. A lot of liberals did. A lot of them thought that it was by dint of fortune and luck that it kept being held up the way it did. Planned Parenthood v. Casey was 5-4. Democrat was in dissent in Roe versus Wade, Byron White. And now when you see this violence taking place and these extraordinary actions being countenanced, tolerated, and beyond that encouraged, you have to wonder what it is the left will do when they have full and complete power, which is obviously what they want. How do you how do you how do you conclude anything else when you okay, when you green light, when you support taking it not just to the streets and neighborhoods, but to the firebombing of life clinics and protests in front of the homes of justices who have to have to go into hiding? They have to go into hiding. You know when public leaders have to go into hiding? When there's a price on their head and a terrorist attack, that's when they have to go into hiding. Does anyone remember the Pelican Brief and how it opened? The movie The Pelican Brief, the John Grisham novel? It's about this in the other direction. It was fictional in the other direction when a pro-choice judge had to worry about violence from the pro-life community. As I say, fictional then. Reverse the case and it's True now. Hell of a place to be. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 34 past the hour, we do our culture and economy update, and we do it with the man who branded that term because he is so good at it, John Dombrowski. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website, and he has his own radio show right here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. How are you, sir? 
Fantastic, Seth. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. I want to talk to you a little bit about what the stock market did today and some of uh, Secretary Yellen's statements. But before I do, this a little more on the lighter fun side, the uh, Penske Annual Top Moving Destinations Report. Do you want to say something <laughs> yeah. about that? Do you have that handy by chance? You know, I did – uh, let read me walk. That. You. I, yeah, I, I have, have it here. I can. I can do it. Yeah, I can do it. I can walk us through it. It's uh-huh. really interesting. So Penske, uh, Penske Moving does the truck rental moving. company, right? They right. do. They right. do this annual report on which way people are moving, and it doesn't usually look good for uh, blue states. It tends to look good for the red ones. Uh, uh-huh. Two of the top cities. Uh, that people were leaving this year in a year where people aren't moving a lot right were Chicago and Charlotte in North Carolina the number th- top three destinations are Houston Las Vegas and Phoenix is it really right. hard and to figure out what's going on here yeah. and you know what else is interesting if there's like three or four uh, cities uh, in Texas yeah. that have been getting a lot of play right yeah. a lot of people moving to Texas yeah so uh, it's kind of interesting. You're right. Now, I don't know how politics comes into play here, but it certainly looks like it may be part of a decision-making process for people moving. The other side of this, too, which is funny, if you're renting a truck right now, yeah. Seth, yeah. Uh, it's pretty easy to find a truck maybe in certain parts of the country right. because there's, those are destination points for these, these uh, rental trucks. Uh, but some areas of the country, uh, it's really difficult for them to to even be able to rent a, a truck to make that move because there's nothing there. They're all leaving. No, that's right. It's hard to rent a truck. It's also I don't know if you've noticed it's hard to rent a car. Yes, there was. It it's hard to find baby been. formula. It's getting a little better. You know, during COVID, there was a lot of uh, these rental car companies because nobody was traveling. They were selling their rental cars. Is they that what it was? Sold their fleets. Is they sold their fleets yeah, away. Yeah. So now they've got a. They've got to replenish those fleets, and of course, by doing that, when cars are at a premium and a scarcity right now, it's difficult. And uh, so, it's just going to be a you know a while until things catch up, as we know. Well, that's interesting because if that's going on, and of course, we kind of have a soft spot in our heart. The American heart has a soft spot for its auto industry. Um, that 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 kind of has an interesting implication a bit with inflation. Uh, there yeah. there um, I, tomorrow. You know, there's all these regional Federal Reserves and the New York president, John Williams, some some are listened to more than others. Others, he, He's going to give a big speech tomorrow that will probably that'll probably be important. Uh, but the question a lot of us are having now is the four decade high of what, eight and a half percent inflation. Do we yeah. think that's the ceiling or are some of these things going to drive that a little bit further, whether it's autos, their prices and their needs, whether it's supply chain issues? Someone told me in this office, someone in this office whom you know, said he couldn't find crackers at Fry's. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, there's definitely shortages in, in a lot of areas of our life, the things that we consume on a regular basis, and we're paying the price for them right now. So, you know, I'm not saying that if you see it, you should buy it and stock up on it. <laughs> right. But- you know, I don't want to create right. panic here. Right. By but, yeah, a lot we of things saw this I don't during need, COVID yeah. where you couldn't get the Purell, you couldn't get yeah. the paper towels and the toilet paper and yeah. so on. 
So there's going to be some spotty things out there. But uh, it's really interesting, Seth. I know that we, we I sent you something about the comments with Yellen. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I but, don't know if that came in time for the markets today, but go ahead. But, but I, I read a different article, which I thought was really interesting, about the volatility we're seeing right now, the sell-off in the stock market. And it talks about the, US, the concern over U.S. Federal Reserve could start unwinding the massive monetary stimulus. Uh, that they've been doing. Uh, the economy was too strong. It can't possibly stay. This is the biggest drop since whenever. And I'm looking at this, and I'm reading this article, and this was on purpose that I read this article, and the date of the article is back in 2013. Oh, isn't so that interesting? It's 10 years ago. Yeah. The exact same concerns, and the market sell-off, the worst sell-off in the you know last 10 years was happening back then. I just want to say, yet yeah, this is terrible for those out there that are watching their uh, investments drop in value. You know, we've made adjustments to our portfolios. We're not, you know, we're doing the best we can to try to stay out of the way of some of what's happening. However, we have to understand that these things happen from time to time. We have to understand that we have to allow them to go through the process. I'm not saying buy and and uh, just sell everything. And uh, But there are things you can do to position your money to ride this out and eventually uh, be in a good position to take advantage of a recovery. Thank you, John, as always. Don't panic is what I'm saying. Yeah. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of FinRen Sipican, an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you so much. Nice. I like that. Don't panic. Steady strain. Good advice always. John Dombrowski, thank you. I'm Seth, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson, Liebson Show. I think I know how to say it after a little bit of practice. For those of you looking for a really remarkable and unique investment opportunity with a great return for investors, I want you to check out my friends at Y-Refi. They are my friends. I've spent a lot of time with them, and it is, as I say, a really great opportunity. I'm talking about a fixed, no-load interest rate up to 10.25% for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Why Refi helps people who are doing their best to dig out of debt the right way, by doing the right thing in paying off their debts and doing so with dignity, even getting FICO scores fixed along the way. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm run by really good people who are doing very well by helping others, and you can too. I'll only endorse a product like this after a thorough and complete review and by getting to know the quality and the ability of the people involved. What more can I tell you? I like these people. Check them out yourself at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com. Or give them a buzz at 855-316-3087. Locally based, you can visit them. I'll guarantee you, you won't get a sales pitch. They're just happy to talk about what it is that they do, which is the business of helping people that others won't, and you can be in that business with them. InvestYRefi.com or call them at 855-316-3087. As, uh, as, 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 as we look into our kind of political, legal, social atmosphere, it's increasingly difficult to find people of, how shall we say, down-the-middle goodwill, people who are analysts 
and can kind of see both sides. They'll have their own opinions, of course. Sometimes they'll come through. Sometimes they'll come through vociferously, but they're not predictable. They're not predictable. Used to be that's what you might think of as a unique thinker who's conservative or a unique thinker who's a liberal. Uh, Alan Dershowitz for many years was that kind of person and uh, he's just aging a little bit. Uh, still out there, still fighting the good fight uh, for uh, the liberal cause as he sees it. But in some respects, that mantle has fallen to another law professor, George Washington University professor uh, – excuse me, George Washington <laughs> University professor uh, Jonathan Turley. Uh, can't predict where he's going to come out. Uh, he was – made – excuse me. He made a name for himself nationally. He was always a well-respected academic. He made a name for himself nationally during the Clinton impeachment circa 97, 98, coming out against it uh, and being kind of the go-to sober law professor who was against impeaching Bill Clinton. Uh, he, he, he probably wrote, I think, the best piece – that uh, encapsulates some of what I was describing in the first few segments and I want to share it with you because certain norms are important. Certain standards are important. We are not an anarchy here. We do not believe might makes right here. He writes that nearly 70 years ago, a little-known lawyer named Joseph Welsh famously confronted Senator Joseph McCarthy in defense of a young man hounded over alleged un-American views. Welch told McCarthy, McCarthy, I thoroughly gauged your recklessness. Have you no sense of decency, sir, at long last? Have you no sense of decency? It was a defining moment in American politics as Welch called out a politician who had abandoned any semblance of principle in the pursuit of political advantage. This week, the same, the same scene played out in the White House with one striking difference. There was no Joseph Welsh to be found. After someone in the Supreme Court leaked a draft opinion in the case of Dobbs v. Jackson, a virtual flash mob formed around the court and its members demanding retributive justice. This included renewed calls for court packing as well as the potential targeting of individual justices at their homes, including not only the leaking of the opinion itself but the doxing of justices and their families. And it's being treated as just fair game, ho-hum, expected. There is more than a license to this rage. There is an addiction to it. That was evident in March 2020 when Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer stood in front of the Supreme Court and threatened Justices Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh by name. Schumer's reckless rhetoric was celebrated, not condemned, even after he attempted to walk it back after John Roberts publicly scolded him. What occurred at the White House this week is even more troubling. When asked for a response to the leaking of the justice's draft opinion, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki declined to condemn the leaker and said the real issue was the opinion itself. Then she was asked about the potential targeting of justices and their families at their homes and whether that might be considered extreme. Should have been a layup, an easy question. Few Americans would approve of such doxing, particularly since some of the justices have young children at home. Yet Saki declared that, quote, I don't have an official U.S. government position on where people protest, close quote. Did you know she said that? 
Did you know she said that when asked about whether it was appropriate for these mobs to go to the Supreme Court justices' homes whose addresses were secret? She said, quote, I don't have an official U.S. government position on where people protest. What kind of footsie are they playing with a uh, tinderbox here? What kind of footsie are they playing? In reality, not having an official position, Professor Turley says, on doxing and harassing Supreme Court justices and their families is actually a real policy. Whether protests are judged by ex- to be extreme seems often to depend on their underlying viewpoints. That's what this is about, isn't it? It's opinion hierarchy. When Westboro Baptist Church activists protested at the funeral of Bo Biden, it was peaceful. But many critics rightly condemned the demonstration as extreme. Some even approved of Westboro activists being physically assaulted. When the church brought its case before the Supreme Court, some supported its claims despite the vehement disagreement with their views. But 42 senators filed a brief asking the court to deny free speech protection for such protesters. And the court ultimately ruled eight to one in favor of the church. By the way, the same one person who said they didn't have a right to protest at these funerals, was Sam Alito. In this case, the Biden administration and the Justice Department have condemned the court's leaked draft, but not the threatened protests at the justice's home, even though those are a crime under 18 U.S.C. 1507. Even if protests at justice's home were to be constitutionally protected, that does not make them right any more than the lawful Army McCarthy hearings of 1954 were right. In 1954, the left was targeted for its political views. Today, it is the left which is calling for censorship, blacklisting, and doxing of conservative points of view. And in such moments of rage, presidents often have become calming voices, tempering extremist passions in their own parties. You might even recall, as I depart from this point, Robert Kennedy speaking to a black group in Indiana, informing them on the night of Martin Luther King's death, on Martin Luther King's death, and calling for peace. Where are these liberals? Where are these lefties? They are long gone, long gone. Understand that in this country right now, there is no liberal conservative span and stage. There is leftist and moderate. Portions of the Seth Leapson show are brought to you by Balance of Nature's Fruits and Veggies. On the veggie side, you get everything from broccoli and carrots and cayenne peppers and zucchini and wheatgrass and spinach and garlic into their advanced cold vacuum process where the vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients of the fruits and veggies are put into the capsule so you get that vital nutrition in each capsule. Pure, potent plant power, 100% natural. That's just the veggie side where you get 15 different veggies. You get 16 different fruits. The fruits and veggies you take once a day and you are good to go. It's 10 servings of fruits and vegetables in one daily Joe, dose. Please check them out at balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Brandon Weikert's going to be joining us, of course, as he does every Monday, top of the next hour, and we'll review the world and also some domestic politics with him. But let me uh, give you a little more from Professor Jonathan Turley today. 
He writes, President Biden has repeatedly shown that polls, not principles, guide his presidency. It's a Democrat writing, okay? It's a guy who votes for Democrats. He showed integrity as a senator by denouncing court packing as a terrible idea. However, he has stayed silent as today's Democrats have pushed to pack the court with an instant liberal majority, a demand that has increased this week. Biden long supported the Senate's filibuster rule and said efforts to eliminate it would be disastrous. But when today's mob formed, he flipped and denounced the filibuster as a relic of the Jim Crow era. I wonder if he's a relic of the Jim Crow era. I tend to think so. The way he talks, the names he invokes, and of course the positions he used to hold, anti-busing, pro-segregation. Even on abortion, Biden has shifted with the polls. He once opposed Roe versus Wade. Did you know that? And supported an amendment that would negate the decision. Did you know that? At the time, he declared, quote, I don't think that a woman has the sole right to say what should happen to her body, close quote. Do you realize what a callous statement that is? Have you ever heard a conservative say that? I've never heard it in those words. I don't think that a woman has the sole right to say what should happen to her body. No conservative argues that perspective, by the way. No one no, no conservative does. Now President Biden has switched his position without switching his logic. He repeat, he recently declared that he supported Roe because, quote, I'm just a child of God. I exist and thus can decide what happens to his body. Accordingly, he denounced the same Supreme Court draft's opinion as radical and affirmed the right of a woman to abort a child without explaining his shift in views. You have a rudderless, leaderless presidency in a country that is just now in great need of one. The theme of his campaign, the theory of his election, was to calm waters. He's done nothing but plant cherry bomb after cherry bomb after cherry bomb into them. And the fish are rising. I'm Seth Leapson. Brandon Weicker coming right up. We'll be right back. <laughs> 